0: Uh, in my car and i turn on the radio and the little drummer boy started playing on the radio uh the little drummer boy is actually my favorite christmas carol uh it's uh which is a bit sad but we we never you see the, uh, there's some mockers at the front but um uh it's right but we never played at church because uh, in case you haven't noticed the little drum boy is not in the bible and it's one of those sort of extra christmas carols but it's actually the one i love the most and uh, so we never play it in our uh, Christmas carol service, at least I hope we're not in a couple of weeks, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but uh, the reason I got a shock was I thought it's that time of year already. Now you can debate whether they should have been playing Christmas carols in November or not, but it just made me realise here we are, we're in November, uh, it's the end of another year and somehow uh, we've got to November in what has been, compared to the last couple of years, a relatively normal year, you know, no lockdowns or anything like that how amazing is that Uh, and because it's November we're actually doing what we normally do in November which is where I go around the different congregations that are a part of our church uh, and we just take a week out of our normal sermon series we'll come back to two kings and finish it off don't worry if you're worried uh, about that but what we do is just think about what we're on about as a church in our partnership together of all these different congregations and we think about uh, a chance to, to to give thanks to God For what he has done in us and amongst us and through us, uh, and then to look ahead at what God uh, might do and what we are planning for 2023. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, It's what we call our Vision Sunday. Uh, So, this isn't a normal Sunday sermon in that sense. There's going to be a few different elements to what we do today. Uh, First, we're going to have an opportunity just to pause, take stock, think about what we're on about, give thanks to God. Uh, and at the point, I'm going to invite you to give thanks to God for things. So uh, be prepared to potentially share something encouraging. Then we're going to open up that passage from 1 Peter 4. So just set that aside for the moment. We'll come back to it in the second part of my talk. Uh, I'm going to reflect on what we're on about as a church and what it means to be a part of that. Uh, and then thirdly, I'm going to share some plans and some key things for next year. So hopefully that sounds like a plan. But I want to start by uh, praising God for what he has done this year and uh, in particular do that in the light of what we're on about as a church. Uh, one of the reasons I go around the different congregations at this time uh, is to remind us that our church is a partnership. Uh, you might have just come along to this congregation but uh, we are this wonderful, I think, partnership of these different congregations. We have these congregations at Carlton and Bexley North and another one on a Wednesday morning at Bexley that some of you uh, also attend which is wonderful. Uh, but by being united in our mission together and working together we can do so much more than uh, we do just on our own as individual congregations Uh, and I want you to remember that Uh, you see it's something wonderful the book of Philippians talks about partnership in the gospel where we pray for one another where we support one another where we benefit one another and so when something wonderful happens here at Bexley North that is supported by the prayers and the giving and other ways from the people at Carlton and when something happens at Carlton that is supported by the prayers and the giving and, and the other means of support from the people here at Bexley North which just enables us to do so much more as a parish which I'll talk about in a minute. So our vision statement for the whole parish is really a very simple distillation of what the Bible says a church should be on about Uh, I always think if a church comes up with a groundbreaking vision statement it's probably unhelpful because the Bible hasn't changed in 2,000 years in telling us what the church should be on about. So what are we on about? We exist to glorify God, that is why we are here. In the end everything we do is so that people will give the honour and the glory to God and we do that especially in three ways. Firstly we proclaim Jesus, the only way to know God, if the only way to find his forgiveness is through the good news about Jesus then nothing is more important than telling people about Jesus isn't that right thank you for agreeing with me good that's why proclaiming Jesus front and center of everything we do then second thing we grow disciples God doesn't just want people to become Christians he wants us to grow more and more like Jesus that is his desire for every one of us so again that is why teaching the Bible is the centre of everything we do so that every person can grow in their knowledge and love of Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why we make such a big thing of gospel teams, for instance, during the week and why we want every person to be a part of one of those. It's why we focus on the Bible in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry. We grow disciples, that is what we're here for. But then thirdly, we're on about serving together. Uh, We are convicted from the Bible that God gives every person in his church gifts that we must use to build up the body of Christ that is his church so that's our vision as a church that's us together all the congregations of St George North we exist to glorify God we do this as we proclaim Jesus as we grow disciples and as we serve together well how have we seen that happen this year can I tell you there have been some wonderful encouragements in all of those areas this year Uh, and I'm just going to share a couple Firstly, just the fact that so many of our ministries have just happened this year is a great joy, isn't it? If you think back to the last three years, it's just wonderful that things have happened. So, just the fact that Jitterbugs, you know, our our outreach to mums and and toddlers has started again here at Bexley North, I think is wonderful. Isn't that great? Because it didn't happen for a couple of years. That is great. The fact that Snack Youth is thriving on a Friday night. Just come and hang around St James Carlton on a Friday night and see all the teenagers there is wonderful. And the fact they could go away on Fit Camp uh, a month or so ago is just spectacular because it hasn't been able to happen for the last couple of years. If COVID ha- has taught us anything, it is that we should be thankful for the ordinary things, I think, for the for the bread and butter things, if you like, and see how amazing they are. Uh, that Kids Plus is back up and running at Carlton on a Friday afternoon, God willing. It will open again here at Bexley North at some point when, when there's the right number of kids and leaders. But do you know, last week at Carlton on a Friday afternoon, there were over 100 kids there on the site hearing about Jesus. That is wonderful. That is amazing news. Uh, the fact that our English for Life outreach happens during the week uh, and people come along, learn English but also hear about Jesus is just amazing miracle, really. It's wonderful. And just the fact that week in, week out... Just about every member of our church has been meeting in gospel teams, whether it's on a Tuesday morning, whether it's on a Wednesday night, whether it's at some other time, it's just wonderful because that is the the lifeblood of our church, people meeting together, encouraging one another, reading the scriptures together, praying together, that's what it's all about. Now many of those things are so ordinary, you know, sometimes you don't even, you don't even think about them But how wonderful that they have been happening this year. So I just want to say praise God for that. Uh, If the last couple of years have taught us anything, it's to not take those wonderful things for granted, I think. But now I just want to share some particularly encouraging things with you. Uh, As I mentioned before, this coming January will be my 19th birthday at St George North. Uh, That's not the encouraging fact. Uh, You may find it discouraging, I don't know. But uh, I share it, so I've got 19 years to compare with. So I've got 19 years of, of, of comparisons uh, over the years and uh, here is the encouraging one of things I want to share with you, this year, which isn't even over, do you know this year has seen new, more new people come to our church services than any other year. You know, that, that is amazing, I expected more of a response from that, that <laughs> uh, when... Uh, Lex was joking with me before, when uh, when I went to Kenya and preached over there, I got up and said, hi, I'm Phil from Australia. I went, amen, you know, here I tell you, there's more new people come to church. And I go, oh, you're a a bit more African. Say amen, amen, there you go, yeah. Uh, More importantly, it's that more of those people have locked in and joined our fellowship than ever before, which is wonderful. Uh, Josh crunched some numbers for me as we looked at the role here at Bexley North we have actually been 20 new people connect in over the last two years. So 20 new, across our 10am and four thirty, twenty 20 new people over the last two years have, have connected in here at Bexley North, which I think is wonderful. You might be one of those people. Uh, and our two morning congregations at Carlton, now remember they're starting from a much bigger size. So they're, uh, you know, the, the percentage-wise, they're much bigger, if you like. Uh, just over the last... Uh, four months at the two morning congregations so just the last four months 77 new people have come through the doors isn't that a wonderful thing now now many of them are family and friends or people just coming through one time and so forth uh, and that's okay but many are people looking for a church and more wonderfully many are people looking for Jesus Uh, and so just the fact that the world is coming to us isn't that amazing you know I find that incredible and how wonderful that some of those people have come to know Jesus uh, and others who already know Jesus have locked in in fellowship with us. In, in the time of encouragement we're about to have here last week at the 10.30 service at Carlton, a young lady said, I just want to encourage you, I've become a Christian over the last month. How amazing is that? Just I nearly fell over at the front of church. It was just wonderful. Even more amazing at our 6.30 church this year, now again, it's a much bigger starting point it's a much bigger congregation to begin with 154 people have come to our 630 church for the first time this year isn't that incredible now again many of those are visitors just coming once but how wonderful is this 18 of those new people have joined in in gospel teams. which says to me they've they've locked in they've connected with church and if they weren't believers they've become believers Uh, and I think that is amazing and that doesn't include youth coming up into 630 church which gives a constant flow up into that congregation it doesn't include year 12 moving in as adult members of the church and I think that's just incredible and I could tell you other great stories from other ministries as well some of you are a part as I said before of our smaller Wednesday congregation there we've had new people join on a Wednesday as well which is wonderful so praise God see people in our world want to tell you the church is dying I want to say to you bring them to your church and, and prove them wrong Uh, the church is not dying Uh, nothing can stop the gospel of Jesus Christ doing its work this brings me to an even more encouraging thing to share I want to talk about what God has done through our life course right across the parish Uh, you may sometimes think I wish they'd uh, shut up about the life course I I don't apologize for that it's what we're on about we're on about proclaiming Jesus and we will talk about all the time so that's just the way it is Uh, I never like to say this number of people have become Christians because the reality is you you don't know for a little while, you don't know over time. The parable of the soils tells us sometimes people respond uh, but then something happens and and, and the gospel is taken away Uh, and more than that it just takes time, it takes time for people to investigate Jesus and uh, and come to faith Uh, and other people come and, and think they're a Christian when they start the course And they are a Christian at the end. Who knows whether they became a Christian during the course? I don't care. I just care about whether they're a Christian at the end. That's what I'm interested in. But even so, I want to share with you, this year we've run the life course five times across the parish, uh, including here at Bexley North, which is wonderful. Uh, And it was a massive effort to run it all those times. If you've been involved in running either one or or more of those, I just want to say thank you if you've been a part of those teams. Uh, But how wonderful that when when we ran that earlier in the year here at Bexley North... Fifteen guests came along, and of those, seven continued investigating the faith. Isn't that wonderful? I think that's incredible. That is, a, that, that is a miracle of God. You, you know, th- this, is, this is something outlandish that God has done. Across the five times we've run it this year, even now there's one week to go, uh, and you can pray for our next-door neighbour, who, God willing, is, is going to the life course today at Carlton. Uh, do you know, 64 guests have come to the life course isn't that amazing give me one of those amens you know very big six, uh, 64 and I'm not talking about church members who've come by the way that's hundreds of people and I'm not talking even about church members who don't know Jesus who've come I'm talking about 64 friends and family who otherwise don't know Jesus who've been invited along by us the members of St George North and have heard about Jesus because the thing about the life course is it doesn't pussyfoot around it just sets out the gospel for people you know people hear the gospel when they come along Uh, but here's what I really love about that think about this if 64 people have come how many must have been invited I don't know about you but my hit rate (laughs) at my track record is I'll I'll invite five people and one person might come I'll invite 10 people and one person might come so 64 people have come how many people have been invited it must be I think at least three or four hundred people now that's what excites me more see because God brings the growth what excites me more is that that means many many snack members you are on board you're on about proclaiming Jesus you see that telling people about Jesus is so important and you are taking that opportunity here's another thing I love of those 64 people, and obviously not including the course that's finishing today, and please be praying about that, that the, as people are invited to consider the claims of Jesus, but of the 64, 21 people have carried on investigating the faith and have just kept reading the Bible and kept hearing about Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? So 21 people across those five courses, and of those, I'm aware of a good number who've made a commitment to follow Jesus. In fact, a, a young woman from our sixth day church who came to the course here when it ran at Bexley North, Troy shared with me a couple of weeks ago, had said that she has become a Christian. So how amazing is that? Isn't that wonderful? And that is what it's all about. I just share those couple of highlights just to encourage you. Uh, God is at work in your church. God is at work through the preaching of the gospel. God is at work. People are hearing about Jesus. People are growing as disciples of Jesus. And praise God, people are using their gifts to serve Jesus because none of these things happen if we don't serve and if we're not involved. So I want you to be encouraged. But now, I actually want to open it up to you. It's always a very scary moment for a preacher when you hand over the mic to other people. But uh, you might have an encouragement uh, you'd like to share. No sermons, please. Just leave the sermons for me and Josh. Uh, No sermons. Just, you know, 30 seconds or a minute. You don't have to give your theological treatise on, on anything. Uh, just words of encouragement it might be a way you've grown this year through something uh, that's been a part of church it might be a ministry you've been involved in uh, and been encouraged by it might be you've become a Christian like I said that lady last week and you'd like to share that that'd be wonderful Uh, but over to you as I say no sermons just encouragements hopefully all sermons are encouraging you know what I mean put up your hand if you've got something to share Rob Please uh, turn now to our reading we had from 1 Peter 4. Turn that up in your Bible. I, there's one other encouragement I wanted to share, just uh, briefly. Uh, and somehow uh, our student ministers are all away today. I looked at Josh. He said, I didn't approve it. I said, I didn't approve it. So we don't know where they are. No, they're on holidays. Um, uh, but uh, how wonder, I, I just think we, we always have wonderful students uh, come and serve amongst us. But I think Lama uh, and Marcus and Naomi are, are if you excuse me, doing a bit of a comparison, a cut above in terms of their way they've thrown themselves into the life of our congregation and uh, we should be so thankful for them and how wonderful that Lama is considering mission service Uh, and uh, I want to again encourage you, uh, I would think this congregation uh, has the highest per capita number of people sent on the mission field of any congregation just about in the history of the world. I'm known for hyperbole, but I actually think it might be true because, uh, you know, the newbies came here, became Christians here and, and then sent out as missionaries to the Philippines. The blouse had already been to the mission field before, but we sent them from here, Bexley North, to, to the mission field. And, and God willing, if Lama uh, goes to the mission field, how wonderful to send another person. And there's others we've sent out as well. But praise God for that. But turn now to 1 Peter 4. Uh, you may remember earlier in the year we studied 1 Peter 4 in our gospel teams, or, or the book of 1 Peter in our gospel teams. I say may remember because I don't sometimes remember what I preached on last week. But uh, when we were studying 1 Peter, this little passage jumped out at me. I remember on a Wednesday night, we were looking it together, and it jumped out at me at the time because it captured just a wonderful theme uh, I want us to explore. And I made a note at the time, come back to that later in the year, and this is it. Uh, and the theme is that the Christian life is about glorifying God in the ordinary things. Christian life is about glorifying God in the ordinary things. So come with me to verse 7. So it starts off, it says, Now the end of all things is near. Now that is a far from ordinary thing. That is a massive statement. That is that incredible truth. Jesus is coming back in glory to judge the living and the dead. This world is not going on forever. God has appointed a time for the return of Jesus. Now that is actually a massive theme of all the scriptures. In fact, it's been a theme of Every book we've studied at church on a Sunday in our gospel teams this year, Matthew's Gospel, 1 Peter, uh, Hebrews, even 2 Kings, but that's because it is one of the fundamental truths of Scripture, uh, the truth that we live in the end times. And in fact, I think that truth is the most important truth we need to remember if we are to understand how we are to live as Christians. The fact that we are living in the end times. To be a Christian is to be someone who is waiting for Jesus to return. That's what it is to be a Christian. We are waiting for Jesus to return. He has done everything He needs to do in His first coming. He's died for your sins, He's risen, like we just sang, to defeat death once and for all. And so now Jesus can return at any moment in glory. Uh, We're not waiting for something else to happen, nothing else needs to happen. In fact, the only reason Jesus hasn't returned is to allow the gospel to be preached so that more people can find the salvation that we have found. And so to live as a Christian is to live in the light of the return of Jesus. Christians are people who are living, waiting for Jesus to return. So what do we do while we wait? Well, to to sum it up, we live for God's glory, like I said before, while we wait. And that's how it puts it at the end of our little passage. So jump down to the end of verse 11. It says, you know, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So, so we live waiting for Jesus to return. While we wait, we live to glorify Jesus. But what does that look like? To live as someone glorifying God while we wait for Jesus to return. It can sound like that means we must do something massive. You know, and Some people will do massive things to, to glorify God while they wait. Some people will get on a plane and take the gospel to, to people who've never heard it before. Some people will will, will preach the gospel to, to football stadiums full of people. Uh, but what I find really interesting in the New Testament, and what struck me in this little passage and why I brought it today, is it doesn't say, so go and find your massive thing to do. It, it Instead, living to glorify God while we wait for Jesus expresses itself for most of us in really ordinary ways look back at the passage he says now the end of all things is near and so what are we to do he doesn't say go and plant a new church though i pray some of us might you know doesn't say go and sign up at cms to be a missionary to mongolia though i pray again someone will doesn't say those things instead it talks about three really ordinary things it says one devote yourself to prayer two love your church family three use your gifts to serve Look at each in turn. So first of all, devote yourself to prayer. Look at verse 9 again. It says, Therefore, be serious and disciplined for prayer. If you are living, waiting for Jesus to return, and so living for God's glory, actually the best thing you can do is pray. We don't believe that. We, we naturally want to be activists. We, we think, no, no, I've got to do something. But actually, the best thing you can do is pray for God to be at work. Pray for God to work in people's lives. Pray for God's will to be done. Uh, But do you notice how it talks about being serious and disciplined for prayer? The Bible is not naive. It takes effort to pray and especially to form good habits of prayer. I love the fact that a couple of people shared points about Bible reading and prayer before in that, that encouragement time. Because I think people often come to church and they think they're the only one who struggles to spend regular time in prayer and Bible reading. They sit here in church and they think everyone else here has got it all together. Everyone else gets up and does an hour of Bible reading and prayer. I'll let you on a little secret. The majority of other people are struggling too. A- and in fact, it's, it's the weird ones among us who find prayer easy. Uh, it's the weird ones among us who naturally get up and say, I'm reading my Bible and praying every morning or whenever it is. Uh, you do it. You see, we are so easily distracted. Very few Christians pray naturally. That's why he says, devote yourself to it. Be serious. Be disciplined. Make it a priority. But then secondly, love your church family. Look at verse 8. He says, Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. The each other there is your Christian brothers and sisters. Yes, we're called to love all people, and Jesus expands our neighbour in the parable of the Good Samaritan to, to all people. But the each other and the priority for our love in the New Testament is our church family. That's who we're called on to love and again it's so ordinary but so profound. What are we to do as we wait for Jesus to return? What are we to do to glorify God? Pray and love each other. Do you know how it puts that word intense love there? I don't really, it sounds a bit stalkerish, to be truthful. No, it, the better translation is earnest. Maintain an earnest love for each other. It, it, the idea is struggle to love one another just like we struggle to pray struggle to love one another it's a real sense of effort and commitment this is why God's word is so adamant that we meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ this is why God's word is so adamant that that we use our gifts to build one another up to 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 care for one another share our lives with one another they are the exhortations God's word gives us it's where verse 9 comes in look at verse 9 where it talks about Christians practising hospitality. Uh, Back then what they talked about is actually having people to stay in your home because there weren't motels and hotels. So when a Christian came into town, other Christians should have them in their home. But I think it extends to opening your home to your brothers and sisters in Christ because this is your family and that's what you do with your family. You share meals together. You share your lives with one another. What does it mean there when it says that love covers a multitude of sins? I mean, you might think, well, Jesus's love covers a multitude of sins because he pays the price for it. I don't think that's what it's talking about here. It, it's saying, in your church family, as you love one another, it's amazing how much sin is averted. It's amazing how, when you actually commit to loving these people you are with, how much sin is averted. You, you see, when you respond with forgiveness instead of hate, sin is averted. When, when a harsh word is met by grace rather than retaliation sin is averted when gossip is met with silence rather than handing the gossip on down the chain love puts an end to sin in so many ways but my point again is it is so ordinary you see what are you going to do to glorify god while you wait for jesus to return well at the very least commit yourself to prayer and commit yourself to loving this church family to loving each other Then thirdly, use your gifts to serve. Look from verse 10. It says, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. There is a good reason that serving together has such a prominent part in our church vision statement. It's because it's central to what God says the Christian life is about. We are here to use the gifts that God has given each of us to serve one another and to serve God together. It's, uh, it's interesting, I think sometimes people think, you know, when Josh gets up the front or I get up the front and calls on people to serve, I, th- I think sometimes people think we're like a, an Amway salesman, do you know, remember Amway, pyramid selling schemes, you know, that sort of thing, think uh, Tupperware or those funny things that do everything in one cooker that people come and sell to you, you know, and they sort of think, oh yeah, they just want me to serve because that'll get, that helps the church go, that is not why, it does, but it's not why, in the end, I want you to serve, Josh wants you to serve, because that is what God wants for you. It's actually the fundamental essence of the Christian life. The Christian life is to pray, to love your brothers and sisters in Christ and to serve. That is the Christian life, it's not rocket science. But again, I want you to see, do you see how ordinary it is? It sounds so massive to glorify God through Jesus Christ in everything. It sounds massive that the end is near that Christ is returning and it is massive, it's the most important news in all of history but then for us it just plays out in the ordinary things of life and not just in the life of church by the way, how do you glorify God at home? Well you do it in the ordinary, it's in the way you treat your family with love and grace rather than with harshness. How do you glorify God in your workplace? Well you do it in the ordinary, it says you get on with being a faithful worker, with being the person who works hard but isn't a worker holy. None of it is rocket science, living the Christian life, being faithful in the small decisions. So much of glorifying God is actually just how we do the small things, the ordinary things, the mundane things. At our men's night a few weeks ago, our speaker said at the end, the secret to being a godly man, and I think it applies to women as well, is really very simple. 90% is just turning up. 90% is just turning up and what he means is it's just persevering in doing the faithful ordinary things of the Christian life. Being at church every week to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ, getting along to your gospel team with an encouraging word every week, using your gifts in service, spending your time in prayer, it's so ordinary but it's so wonderful. See that's what we're on about as we talk about glorifying God by proclaiming Jesus, growing disciples and serving together. These things can sound massive, but actually it happens through us doing the ordinary things. See, the key to us as a church, glorifying God, is not so much great programs and ministries, though that is great, I'm so thankful we have a great youth ministry, I'm so grateful we have these great children's ministries, but actually the key is it's ordinary Christians, like you and me, being gripped by the gospel and then living to glorify Jesus in the ordinary things every one of us committing ourselves to pray it's every one of us just quietly sharing jesus with our family and friends it's every one of us speaking the word of truth in love to one another to build one another up as disciples it's every one of us using our gifts to grow the body of christ they should just be the ordinary things for us i pray they are but how wonderful that we can do those ordinary things to glorify god as we wait for jesus to return i think that's wonderful now I want to look ahead to next year. What are some ways we'll have the opportunity in 2023 to glorify God as we wait for Jesus? I want us all to commit or recommit ourselves, so many of us, to doing these ordinary but wonderful things. And I've got three. The first is, let's commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to prayer for our church. Isn't that the, the best thing we can ever do? That's why the most encouraging, they were all encouraging this before, but it's so encouraging to hear Rob talk about prayer and other people talk about prayer before. But I am conscious, as was shared there, how many of us struggle with establishing good habits of prayer and uh, Bible reading. It's funny how even that encouragement in our passage to devote ourselves to prayer can make you feel guilty. It's amazing how that works. Uh, We all want to do it. It's amazing how most of us struggle with it. Well, next year, as we start the year, we want a major focus to have every member of St George North develop good devotional habits. Every member of St George North, good habits of daily Bible reading and prayer. And I want to share something with you about that. The most excited I have been in a long time, and you may think I've got to get out more, but was Kevin Stepniewski, our children's minister, you all know Kevin. He shared with me uh, how, what has happened for him over the last three years, as he's tried to set up habits of Bible reading and prayer. He, Kevin has always struggled, In his, he doesn't mind saying that, in regular personal Bible reading and prayer. Three years ago, he just set up this, he read a book on forming habits, and he set up a little system to help him read his Bible and pray. And I think it's something like now, 700 days in a row, or something like that, that, that he has read his Bible and prayed every morning. And he shared that with me, but then what was, this is what excited me. Uh, is he with about 30 young people from 630 church has started rolling out what he did with them and every one of those 30 young people has improved their daily bible reading and prayer isn't that wonderful remember God works in the ordinary see that is how God grows his church by Christians getting excited about his word and getting excited about prayer and that's been a bit of a pilot program And we're actually, and Josh is going to do this here at Bexley North, we're going to roll that out and invite anyone who wants to grow in their regularity of Bible reading and prayer to be a part of that and benefit from it next year. So if you are someone who doesn't yet have those good habits, if you already are flying, just keep doing what you're doing. If you're someone like most of us, uh, be involved in that as we start next year. Second thing, uh, let's commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to loving our church family. Uh, commit yourself to sharing your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ commit yourself to fellowship each Sunday commit yourself each gospel team during the week Uh, commit yourself beyond that to sharing your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ I want to talk about that at two levels Uh, the first is I think coming out of COVID some of us have got into not as good habits about prioritizing fellowship and I, I just want to say to you now's the time to just say all right no I'm getting back on the horse and 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 I just I just meet each week with my brothers I'm preaching the converted you're here today but uh uh, to get back on the horse I'm going to be regular in my fellowship because that's how I love my brothers and sisters in Christ but on a big scale there's a key date I want you to get in your diary now Uh, and this is the one time in the year where we get to express our fellowship right across our partnership all our congregations uh, so many people have been asking, will we finally have the big day out again next year? And the answer is yes, God willing. So I want you to please, if you, this is the one time I want to see people on their phones. If you are someone who has a calendar on your phone, take it out now and put in Saturday the 11th of March from nine till five. Uh, so for those who don't know, the, the big day out is when all of Snack across all of our congregations comes together uh, and we hear about what God is doing. We encourage one another and we together hear from God's word. And are encouraged. So we're planning that for the 11th of March next year. Uh, we haven't been able to do it for three or four years. So I really do want everyone to make this an absolute priority. Put it in your calendar now. You'll have the chance to register in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I do just want to stress that that day is such a key part of our church life, of our fellowship life, if you like. Please lock it in. Don't miss it for anything. Uh, and I am serious when I say get in the diary now so that. You don't have work on that day. You can say no to work on a Saturday. That's okay. Don't have kids sport. Your kids miss it that week. Whatever it is, commit yourself to being there because there's something wonderful about expressing that partnership across all our different ministries and our congregations in that way. Do you know, just about every week, I have people at our other congregations asking me, how is the congregation going at Bexley North? How's the 10 o'clock congregation? How's the 4.30 congregation? There are people who pray for you every week even though they don't know many of you, it's the big day out where we come together and express that fellowship. Thirdly, let's commit ourselves to serving our Lord and our brothers and sisters at church like God wants us to. Uh, It's amazing how much the New Testament focuses on how every one of us has been given gifts and how those gifts are given to build up the body of Christ. Here is my dream for 2023 and don't worry, I've said it to all the other congregations as well, it's not specific to you, uh, my dream is that every member of 10am here at Bexley North would be serving as at least a member of one ministry team here in the life uh, of our church. I say at least one because some people serve in the music team and they lead a gospel team and they're, they're on the parish council, you know, and they do all sorts of things. But wouldn't it be great if every person served in one way? What do I mean by ministry team? I mean one area where you serve in a meaningful way, where you give of your time and your gifts to serve Jesus, might be a kids ministry team, might be a youth ministry team, might be a gospel team, might be the music team, might be helping with the life course, uh, it could be the English for life team, it also it might be providing admin support, every gift, uh, doesn't matter what the wonderful thing and I know I'm preaching to converted here at Bexley North, so many of you are already living this out but I want every Christian here to be using their gifts in service, and the next little while, Josh will be talking to you about, I want you to uh, to prayerfully consider what gifts has God given you, uh, what team could you be a part of, how can you serve? But now I'll wrap up. Let's commit to glorifying God in these ordinary ways. Let's commit to growing in prayer. Let's commit to loving our church family. And let's commit to using our gifts to serve God and to serve one another. And let's commit to doing those wonderful, ordinary things to glorify God while we wait for Jesus to return. We're going to pray now. Josh is going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer before Lex comes and leads us in prayer.